Welcome to Epic Fails, Finding Redemption in Our Stories. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this show, you'll hear people from all walks of life sharing powerful stories of transformation. My hope is that as you hear stories of redemption, you'll find redemption in your own. Today, I have with me on the show Penny Murdoch, one of my all-time favorite people at Red Rocks Church. She keeps us all fed and happy at the Lakewood campus and has a heart of gold. When Penny told me her story of stealing money from work and her time in prison, I honestly could not believe it. The transformation God has done in her life is incredible, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. Penny is married to Tom, and they have two kids, all whom are rock star volunteers at Red Rocks Church. I'm excited for you to get to know her, so here we go. Penny, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Penny. Um, Penny, I'm so excited for you to share your story. When you first told me your story, when we were sitting in Panera that one day, I was so blown away by your story because um, knowing who you are today, you just wouldn't expect that kind of backstory on a person's life. And I think that truly shows God's ability to redeem and to restore a life. And so I'm excited for the listeners to hear the story today. And we're going to jump right on in. Okay. Penny, how about you t- you, you start from the beginning. What was your childhood like? Um, I grew up in a divorced home. My mom was married three times. My dad was married three times. Um, I grew up, my mom's family was Lutheran, so we went to church every Sunday. Um, my dad's family was, I always tell people that they, they were like radical Christian. Um, my dad was a huge fan of Kenneth Copeland and... and um, my dad was one of those people that if you met him, you knew two things. You knew that Jesus loved you, and my dad loved you. That was just his gift. And I don't, because of that, I don't ever remember a time that I didn't believe in God. Like, I can't tell you, oh, on this day, because I just always grew up believing. Mm-hmm. It just was. Um, and um, lived back and forth between my mom and my stepdads, and my dad and my stepmom. Um, lots of of um, insecurities and things um, growing up, but just always knew that God was there and he had a plan and, and um, that, that if I was faithful to him, he would be faithful um, and take care of me. Yeah, and that's a great, I think, thing idea to grow up with because I think a lot of children maybe don't grow up knowing those kind of things, but you had that which is probably a great foundation for later on in life when you were, you know, going through what, what you went through. Um, but you did mention that you had some insecurities. Maybe talk about that a little bit. Um, I still today battle insecurities in growing up. Um, compliments always came from the women in my life, always came with conditions. Um, and they weren't spoken conditions. It was unspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned since I've gotten a lot older that a lot of that is just their own insecurities and and that those women in my life who were super relevant loved me to the best of their abilities mm-hmm. um but um so I, my daily battle is just believing that I'm enough that mm-hmm. I'm good enough that I'm or that when people um pay me a compliment um 
that I believe it, mm-hmm. that I don't think that there are strings attached to it or that they're saying it because they have to. Mm. So that's probably the biggest insecurity mm-hmm. is um, just, um, which kind of goes with trust because it's always mm-hmm. like, okay, but, but God works every day and, and um, it gets better. Did that play into um, maybe how you ended up living out your life as you moved out of the house and became an adult? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, my how you grew up at home so reflects who you become. Mm-hmm. And um, so always having to prove yourself or feeling like you always have to prove yourself. Maybe that's not the, the way that, that your parents present it or mean it, but feeling like you always have to prove yourself and you always have to do it. Um, so there's the, the part that led into um, a lot of things of never being enough, mm-hmm. never, um, never working hard enough, never looking right, never making enough money, never all those things, and just always trying to, to become better. And... And struggling because of that and the core people in my life for a lot of years until about five years ago were mainly family, mm-hmm. not a lot of outside friends. And um, I grew up, we did a lot growing up together as a family. And um, just always feeling like I had to do something better. I had to do something better. And if, if there was a struggle, not feeling comfortable to share it. I think mm-hmm. is probably where the majority of the things that got me in trouble started. Yeah, so talk about that. Talk about um, sort of where your journey started going, what, like, the direction it started going in. So so part of that, to, to tell that correctly, a little bit of backstory, um, Tom and I have been married for 26 years. Um, we um, met New Year's Eve and got married the following August. And... Um, Definitely was a lot of comments from outside people. You know, they'll make it six months. They'll do this. They'll do that. And and we didn't. And we overcame a whole lot of of different struggles. Um, and then wanted to have kids. Was told we couldn't have kids. Um, I had some medical problems, and they said we'd never have babies. And um, nine years into our marriage, I was really really sick for a couple of months, and finally went to the doctor, and we were pregnant. Hmm. So. In the process of that, things God really just turned life upside down. And, you know, you hear all the time that people say, I can see God's hand when I look back. Kind of like the poem where he was carrying you. And I can look back and go, oh my word, God's hand was there that whole time. Mm, yeah. And Tom wasn't a believer. And I didn't go to church on a regular basis. I never stopped believing, but I definitely wasn't walking the walk. Mm-hmm. And so I got pregnant. And um, about a month after we found out that I was pregnant, um, I was arrested for um, stealing money from a company that I worked for. Mm. And um, I knew two things. Uh, They sentenced me to seven years in the Department of Corrections. And I knew two things. I knew that my mom and my real dad, my parents, my mom and my stepdad and my dad and my stepmom at the time, would always be there, and I knew that Tom wouldn't keep Dakota from me. Mm. But I was sentenced to seven years in DOC when she was seven weeks old. Mm. 
and um, so God just said, nope, I'm going to use this, and um, so I went to prison in November, November 3rd of 2000, and I got to see Tom and Dakota for the first time December 17th of 2000. Mm. They came to visit me. And I um, remember sitting in the visiting at Denver Women's and looking at Tom and, and saying, okay, um, where do we go from here? What do we do? Um, and he looked at me and said, what do you mean? And I said, well, like, are you going to yell at me? Because he didn't know I was taking the money. I didn't come home one day with $20,000. It was over a long period of time. And... Um, he knew that I, I mean, obviously he bailed me out of jail when I'd been arrested, and, and he knew that I was going to court, but really thought that I was going to get probation, and then here sits his wife in prison, and he's just had back surgery, and he has a newborn. now he has a new baby, <laughs> yeah. and and um, he said, um, are you going to do it again? And I remember looking at him like, no, <laughs> like, um, and um, we kind of talked through some things, and he said, then it's done. And at that time, he still was not a believer. And now I can look back and go, there's no other explanation but God. Mm. The man who didn't believe in God, who didn't believe in forgiveness, sat there and totally forgave me for turning our family upside down. Mm -hmm. And his thing was, we all make mistakes. Um, He definitely has made his share and and, um, different things that we've been through. But he was just there. Mm. And for 22 months, every single Saturday and every single Sunday, he would get up early and dress our baby girl and stand in line and fill out forms and go through pat-downs and scanners and come see me. Yeah. I have two questions um, that come to mind when I hear you talking about this. One, um, how did that... So when you were in the courtroom and they handed down that um, decision... How did that make you feel like? What what were you experiencing? Like, take us back to that moment. What was that like for you? Complete loss. Mm. Empty. Just um, um, shock. And um, um, disbelief. It was kind of like um, alone. Mm. And so they took me from the courtroom to booking, you go through the whole process, and when you first go to jail, they put you in a holding cell for anywhere from, at that time, it was 8 to 36 hours, so they could do a psych evaluation. And I I cried for a solid 10 hours. Um, and just at that point was like, okay, Lord, I, I don't know how, I don't know how this ends, but... Um, make sure that that um, that Dakota and mm-hmm. Tom and 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 the other people but that was the center of my world yeah. knew that um, I loved them yeah and um, that my intentions were good um, it wasn't like I took money and went gambling or went on vacation or it literally was to make ends meet mm. for a long time. Yeah. Um, not always. 
I mean, I'm not gonna, but, um, and I, and I remember feeling like sitting in that cell that, um, God was there and, um, that it would in whatever way be okay. Mm. Um, and, um, You had a peace beyond understanding. It definitely point. was um, some peace, some fear. Sure, um, yeah. Fear, more fear of, um, at that time, more fear of all the horror stories you hear about going to prison mm. and what that's like. Yeah. And um, I have two sisters who've battled drugs their whole lives. And at that point, neither one of them had been in trouble. But um, definitely it. Um, heard enough stories and, and, and enough things and um, ironically when after the, my psych hold and my phone call home and all of that um, they released me into to a housing unit and a, fr- a friend of my little sisters who I'd known since they were in elementary school was there again waiting to go back to DOC and kind of um, took me under her wing and, and said, you know, this is this is what's going to happen next. This is how this happens. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this is what you can expect. Um, and they had just opened Denver Women's Correctional Facility. It hadn't been open very long at all when I was sentenced. And so um, I was there at the county jail not very long, three or four days, and they took me to DOC, and everything that, that Michelle had told me was exactly what happened. And... Um, when you first get to DOC, you spend several days, usually segregated and away from everybody. And I remember sitting in the cell um, going, okay, Lord, if this is the path that my choices have brought me to, then just let me do good with it. Mm-hmm. Somehow, let me let me do good. Mm-hmm. And um, that started the next roller coaster ride in in this series of things. Um, I was there. They approved Tom and Dakota to come visit me. Like on a Thursday and Friday morning, um, like 1 a.m., they came in my room and packed me up and moved me to the women's facility in Pueblo. Mm-hmm. Um, and got there and said, okay, I have a husband and a brand new baby. Tom had had back surgery when Dakota was three days old and couldn't drive far, couldn't. And I said, you know, I won't ever get to see my, my baby if you keep me here. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, you had more freedom there. It was less points, this whole system that DOC does. And I said, I don't care. I want to go back to Denver. And they said, I don't think that can, that we can make that happen. Mm-hmm. And so I settled into a routine. I was there several weeks and settled into a routine. And um, one night they came in at midnight or so and said, pack up, you're going back to Denver. Mm-hmm. And I remember in those weeks, um, I worked at the kitchen at San Carlos, which is the mental facility there. And I remember um, just telling God every day, like, if I don't get to see her, make sure she knows that I love her. And and if you can change this, mm. I just want to be able to see her. Yeah. And at that point, I was still expecting. Tom and I talked a lot, wrote letters, but I still didn't know if we were going to stay married. Mm. I mean, I hadn't seen him. I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and they took me back, and he came to see me. And um, God just continued to 
to have his hand. I can remember um, ladies on on Sundays when visits were over. It was always very difficult because it was a whole another week before I got to see mm-hmm. my baby girl again. And it wasn't very long before I realized that my tears on Sunday were very hard for a lot of women because there's a lot of women who never get to see their kids, mm. who don't even know who's taking care of their kids. Mm. And I made friends with some very um, amazing women who um, taught me to call them my bad girlfriends because they were just a lot of girls that I was friends with there had been in and out of the system for years. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always been, since I can remember, Brittany, I've always been teased about being a mother. Like, <laughs> you mother hen people to death. Um, and I think I, that's the first time I realized there that that was a gift God had given me, mm-hmm. was to just try to make people know that they were loved. Yeah. And um, Sort of like your dad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I... Got into a routine. Tom was in a routine with the baby. It was super, super difficult. But God definitely um, blessed us with lots of time together that people don't get. They definitely don't get that time now because they've changed visiting and you can't have all the, that those hours. Um, but I saw her take her first steps um, at the prison. Um, she got her first tooth a couple days before she, I mean, I got to be a part of those things as much as as I could. Yeah. Um, and God used all of that. Um, Tom and I talked about things that we had never talked about, and we'd been married 11 years by almost by this point. Mm-hmm. But um, we talked and, and we visited, and um, Dakota um, grew up seeing things. And God used that for... Um, he answered my prayers in that he used Tom and I's visits together for other women to be encouraged. And what I mean by that is um, I had several women who, um, one in particular, who would always comment on how Tom treated me and how he looked Mm. at me. And um, one Sunday I had a lady come up to me and say, someday I want to be married to somebody that looks at me like your husband looks Mm -hmm. at you. And I looked at her kind of funny and thought, And so I said, I don't understand exactly what you mean. I mean, I know what I saw or what I felt, but I didn't know what that looked like from the outside looking in. And um, she said, I want my husband to look at me like Tim McGraw looks at Faith Hill, and that's how your husband looks at you. Hmm. And that was like, and it was like, okay, then then this is all, um, it was worth it in so many ways, Brittany. Tom and Dakota have this relationship now. And I think most daddy-daughters have a great relationship, but Dakota was a miracle from God, like, from the start. We were married 10 years. They told us we couldn't have kids. I was three days short of being in my first trimester when we found out I was pregnant, of being into my second trimester when we found out I was Mm -hmm. pregnant. He had to take care of her. Yeah. Um, My mom and aunt were godsends. My mom was Dakota's daycare. Her, that was the plan before I got in trouble, but my mom was her daycare. They took care of Tom. They fed him and Dakota. Um, everything. But they have a bond that is amazing. Mm-hmm. 
and and God has used that in so many ways. And one of the ways is um, Tom was not a believer until um, this is 2017, 2015, thir- 14. Um, he'd been coming to Red Rocks for a little over a year, and still wasn't a believer. <laughs> and um, we went to a weekend to remember marriage retreat. And I had said to him months before, hey, they have this retreat advertisement on Caleb. I'd really like to go. He's like, okay. And I assumed he, like, Googled it and looked it up. He didn't. <laughs> We're driving to Vail for the retreat. And I said, so you have an idea of what to expect from the website? He goes, nope, I never even looked. And I went, what? <laughs> and he's like, you want to go? We're going. And I remember taking a deep breath and going, okay, Lord. I know I've prayed all week for this, but I didn't expect this part. And it helped me to not feel anxious. Yeah. And he, um, we went to the retreat, and that Sunday morning, he accepted Christ. Mm. And to, to look back, and I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but when I have bad days, if I can look and go, Okay, look how things were here, and look what God did. Yeah. And look how things were here, and look what God did. And so I think that all of Tom and Dakota's time together and all that, part of God's preparation for that was because, and both she and Dusty, but Dusty's younger and a boy and lives in his little world sometimes, but Dakota got to watch her dad accept Christ and watch God mm-hmm. change him. Like, yeah. step by step. And to this day, she will randomly send me texts if we're all doing something and he's um, talking about God or, or doing something that to her reflects God and she'll send me a text. We can all be together and she'll send me a text and say, I love the dad that God gave us. Oh. Not that she didn't love him before, but he's just a different person. Yeah. And um, he, he loves them he loves me he Tom is God's example of hard and rigid and the power of prayer um, I bought a book randomly totally God thing one day um, the power of the praying wife mm, by Stormy Oatman and I started reading it and um she suggests that you read a chapter a day for 30 days and pray for your husband when you don't like him and all those things. And about 34 days later, after I first started reading that book and, and reading a chapter every day, um, Tom started coming to church on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And before that, he had been a CEO, Christmas and Easter only. Yeah. Like, and that was if I begged. Yeah. And um, for a whole year, he he came and he listened and he... Um, he, 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 he struggled and he um, doubted and um, I just kept praying and, mm. and I think that for women I know that there are a lot of relationships where one person is saved and the other person isn't or they're both saved but one's walking with God and the other one isn't um, if you're diligent and you pray God will change it. Maybe not as fast as he did, Tom. But he but I believe that he will change any of 
anybody um, if we diligently pray for them. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. It's true. Don't give up praying, right? Right. <laughs> the message that we gather from that. So um, how long were you in prison? 22 months. And so that was significantly less than your... Well, so it's just the way Colorado Department of Corrections works. Mm -hmm. So I was there for 22 months. Then I went to a halfway house. And I was there, I got there in June. And in October, the halfway house that I was at lost their contract with the Department of Corrections. So they moved me from Lakewood to Boulder. And I started all over in a program in Boulder. Hmm. And I worked at, I was a baker for Safeway. And I worked at 38th and Wadsworth at Safeway. And depending on my shift, I had to be to work at 1 in the morning or 5 in the morning sometimes. And so if I had to be there at um, 1 or 2 in the morning, the buses didn't run. And so Tom would get Dakota out of bed and drive to Boulder and pick me up and take me to work and go home and have a nap and go to work. And um, so we did that from October to end of January, beginning of February. And then I went on an ankle monitor, and I wore an electronic monitor for a year, right out of year. Um, and then um, my second time to see the parole board, I made parole. And um, then I was on parole for three years, a little over three years. Um, and um, that whole time... Tom still wasn't a believer. I I mean, that was, um, and um, we had Dusty in the middle of that. And um, Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. So you talk about when you were at the beginning, the, the hopelessness mm-hmm. and the, and how alone you felt in that moment, um, coming through that process and watching God move and seeing your husband just walk through that with you on the other end of that, how, what, what were some of those emotions on the flip side? That um, I still, a lot of days am in awe of God, just that, um, in the last three years, three and a half years, God has really been patient with me all this time and helped me to realize that he really does use everybody's story. Hmm. And um, I think every day there's things that you can look back and you can see. Um, When I found Red Rocks, like God used Red Rocks to turn my life upside down. Hmm. in a really good way, but in a way, um, at, you know, I was 41 years old. I had spent my whole life trying to keep my mom happy and my aunt happy. And when they weren't happy with each other, trying to smooth things over. Because I don't like it when people... Everybody doesn't have to, like, be buddy-buddy. But you got to be respectful and you got to get along. And, and they were two very important, are still two very important women in my life who sometimes can't be in the same room. Hmm. And... Bless Tom's heart, and thank you, Lord, that he was always so patient because we lived 20 years of our marriage with him dealing with ups and downs and me trying to keep them happy, and and that all plays into the insecurity and the power that we can give people over our lives if we're not careful. Mm -hmm. And um, 
as I, the kids and I had been going to a different church, and a friend said, hey, come try Red Rocks. And the first Sunday that we came, Chad preached, and he had on faded blue jeans and neon orange tennis shoes. <laughs> and I remembered thinking, oh, my word. Because I just didn't grow up that way. Yeah. You wore your Sunday best yeah. to church. And, um, but I came back and came back and um, still lived with a lot of fear. Hmm. My secret. I, I um, would pick and choose who I told about my past. Yeah. Um, and as time went on, I became even more reserved about who I told because um, most people were pretty good about it initially, but then after a while, like, if if I did something that made them mad or whatever, then they used my past as a as mm-hmm. the reason to stop being friends or for our friendship. Mm-hmm. So I had become very guarded with mm-hmm. that. And um, Tom became saved in October. Uh, we that Christmas at at the Golden Campus at Heritage Square, we volunteered to help put up Christmas decorations, which was. Um, People laugh at me when I say this, but it was the best Christmas ever in that Tom was saved that Christmas, and for the first time in 20-some years, he put up a Christmas tree, hmm. because prior to that, he never... And, and little things like that, and I know that sounds trivial to most people, but it was a huge thing for me. Um, and and so from that point on, um, in February, I volunteered in the church office, and and then in March that year, we were all, the four of us, Tom, Dakota, Dusty, and I were all baptized at Golden at the same time. And I had been baptized as a as an infant um, in the Lutheran Church and never had thought anything about it until Tom gave the sher- sermon specifically talking about that. Like, mm-hmm. if you'd been baptized as a kid, it wasn't your choice. Um, and Tom had made the choice to be baptized and um, still very guarded, very... Um, I felt like I was called to do more and help with the church, but very guarded because of my secret. Yeah. And would they, you know, would I be kicked out? Would I be? And so I was asked um, by Emma if I would be willing to tell my story to Sean for a sermon series that was coming up. And without thinking, I said yes. <laughs> and then I didn't hear anything for a while. And then she called one day and said, they're going to call you to tape tomorrow with Sean. And I said, okay, and again walked away going, oh, my gosh, what did I do? (laughs) So that evening, um, we went to our life group. We had started a life group um, with the Trowbridge family. Um, And that evening, we went to life groups, and and I had told Tom, we have to tell them. Like, I can't have them find out just on screen. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time ever in 12 years, 13 years, that I had told more than one or two people mm. at a time. And so I told this group of people who loved me and hugged me and and um, of an amazing woman named Pam um, came up to me afterwards and gave me a hug and whispered in my ear, this is going to be freeing for you. And I remember mm. standing there thinking, lady, this is going to be a lot of things, but that is not <laughs> one of them. <laughs> and so the next day I did the taping, and I got there, and Sean wasn't there. He'd had some other thing come up, and I almost bailed. And I didn't, and I remember the shock on poor Carson and Morgan and Shadi's face as I sat down and just kind of saw him out. And I left there, and Carson had said, 
I knew that they were taping somebody else's story. And I said to Carson, if you're going to use my story, could you send me a link to the video? I just need to prepare myself, and I need to prepare my kids. Yeah. Dakota knew at that point. Dusty didn't. Um, and I never heard anything, so I let it go. And I get to church Sunday morning, and someone's, one of the liaisons says, I hear you're going to be on the big screen. And I went, oh, Lord, what did I do? And I literally had my stuff in the volunteer area in the kitchen ready to just pick it up and leave because I thought this is going to be horrible. Mm. And during the first service, they played my video, and um, I got it from where I was sitting after the video and walked to the back of the auditorium where Tom was standing, and um, he, he was hugging me, and a lady walked up to me and said, was that you? And I thought, okay, here we go. Mm. And um, she said, I have never been here before, and I thought, oh, good Lord. <laughs> and um, she said, because you were willing to share your story, I found my home. Wow. And it was like God whispered in my ear, now you're free. So it was free. And Pam was right. <laughs> it was, um, I, 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 it was life-changing. It was, um, it was freeing. Um, a couple weeks later, I said to Tom that a certain group of individuals um, was treating me very differently. And, and of course, his first reaction was to panic because he's protective. And I said, no, 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 in a good way. Like people that didn't talk to me before talk to me now. And they're, and, and I said, I, you know, I don't understand. And he said, I do. And I went, okay, <laughs> I'm waiting. Enlighten me. And he said, you're not guarded anymore. Mm-hmm. There's no fear that you're going to let people in and then they're going to find your secret. Cause your secret's not a secret yeah. anymore. Yeah. And at that point we had about 6,000 people a week coming to Red Rocks. And, um, after that video, I God and I had a conversation a lot the same that we did the night that I was sitting in the jail cell for the first time, and that was, okay, Lord, I don't know what this looks like, but use it for whatever you're going to use it for. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that people need to... What, what I always want is is for people to know several things. First and foremost, no matter what kind of screw-up mistakes you made, God loves you. And if you surrender and you turn it over to him, he will turn your world upside down in a way that you could never imagine, yeah. and not in a bad way. Yeah. Um, number two, um, no matter what your marriage looks like, God can restore it. Yeah. Because. Yeah. It's so true. He did. I mean, he, and Tom and I never had a bad marriage before, but. We have an amazing marriage. Yeah. And I, I, not that we don't have bad days, not that there's days that I still do that. I don't like him today, but I'll pray for him because <laughs> you tell me to. <laughs> and I know he has more days than that when he's like, Lord, I'm going to hurt this woman if you don't. <laughs> um, but Red Rocks is my home. Um, that, that conversation that God and I had um, the night in the jail cell where I said, okay, Lord, like just help me to to do the to do good and to do the the right things and to um to honor you with what I do and to make sure that people know that they're loved and um I spent a couple of years um coming to Red Rocks and serving and not really being sure where what my gift was I mean serving is what I do but not seeing that as a gift and um, 
one night at prayer night um, and some prayer um, with a couple people on church staff realized that serving is my I mean that's how God made me that's my gift and um, making sure that all the teasing I had taken all those years sometimes not even in fun but sometimes in meanness about being such a mother and that that's what God made me to do mm-hmm. and to make sure that you know whatever it is there's drinks or food or whatever that looks like um, and and I want people to know especially women who um, have have struggled with with insecurities or or who have a, a checkered past if you if you let him God will change your life and he will use you in whatever capacity that is and, and we all have very different um, gifts mm-hmm. and um, but you have one and you have one that is made only for you so true and you yeah. can't I spend a lot of years trying to be like other people wanting to fit mm-hmm. into this group or that group or um, and always going okay Lord I, I don't get it mm-hmm. I, I don't fit in here and I don't fit in there and I don't fit in here and and when I finally quit trying to fit in where I thought I should fit in God said, okay, here you go. <laughs> and so trust in that. And, and um, That's a whole sermon right there. Take your, <laughs> take your heart. Um, God will protect your heart. Doesn't mean you're never going to get hurt. But, but allow yourself to be vulnerable. Mm. Um, um it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say I'm struggling today. It's okay to um, not have it all figured out because we're not supposed to. To recap, Penny is someone who um, did something I think a lot of us think we'll never do, but when hard times struck, Penny slowly stole money from work And when she was pregnant, found out she was going to prison. And so after her daughter was born, spent um, a couple years in prison. And if you're a parent, you can imagine just the toll that would take on you. Um, Not just as a parent, but as a person too. But um, today, her life looks so completely different. Uh, Penny is one of the most trustworthy people that I know. And it's so cool to see how something from our past has been completely redeemed. And she's a completely different person because of what God has done in her life. But let's hear a little bit more from her before we end the show. That's so good, Penny. And if I could just speak into your life for a moment, when you talk about how um, people often referred to you as a mother, even when you were young, like that is so true. Um, I can, I would, I would say that without ever hearing someone else say that before about you. You take such good care of us as a staff, as a church. Um, you do make us feel so loved through your giftings of serving and hospitality. And um, there is, like, you're my go-to, Penny, because I trust you. You are one of the most transparent and honest and trustworthy people I know here. And I love that I can come to you, and um, you're just, you're always there. 
and you you lift up our arms like we cannot do what we do without you um you take such good care of us and um i just want to thank you for using the gifts that god has given you um of service and hospitality to just love love the people of this church and i'm so grateful for you and i'm so glad that god um did what he did in your life and i'm so excited that you get to share that today with people um and i'm gonna ask you the same question i ask everybody at the end of this episode if you could share anything with the audience what would it be um I think that it would be to um, not doubt the gifts that God's given you, to trust that he's given them to you mm-hmm. for his purposes and for his um, timing. And sometimes that those gifts are different for different seasons for some people. But if you trust him and you use them, regardless of what you think other people are saying or do say or feel, he will use those for that good. Mm-hmm. And that... I know that the gift of serving in and of itself is not for everyone, but I I pray that everyone will serve sometimes, once in a while, because I promise you, no matter how long the day is, no matter how many hours that you go and, and the short sleep schedule or whatever, if you're doing it because God's leading you to do it, he will, he will sustain you, he will give you enough rest, and he will bless you. And when you leave at the end of whatever you're doing, your body may be exhausted, but your heart will be overflowing mm. with the blessings. That's so good. And, and um, th- that I want, my prayer is that everyone could experience that because it makes a difference. Mm. Even when we don't see it right away, it makes a difference. Mm. That's so true. Penny, thank you for joining us on the show today. Absolutely. Today you got a peek into the story of a person who went through a difficult situation. One many might relate to. If you do, and even if you don't know what the situation is like, but you can relate to some of the feelings Penny experienced, be encouraged to know that your story doesn't end with a difficult situation. It's a scene in your story, but not the end of your story. Thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is something that is ministering to you or you think others might find interesting, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A review helps this podcast grow, which helps to get the word out to people who might need to hear this story of redemption. Tune in again in two weeks for another powerful story of redemption. In the meantime, you can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www.britneyrust.com. I'll see you next time.